Hey, welcome back to the Brazos Point Living Room. We are glad you're listening. We've got the three amigos back together as we continue our journey with Jesus through the Gospel of John. This week we're in John chapter 12. Moving on. So my first question to you guys is, what is the best gift you've ever given? And then what's the best gift you've ever received? I'd have to go with salvation for my sin sick soul Joseph. Mm-hmm. i'm gonna mute you <laughs> <laughs> best gift i've ever given i gotta i think i gotta go with uh, engagement ring oh, oh that's, that's also a, a cop one. out that's not a cop out it's a good one michelle's right you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel bad though i didn't get jeff an engagement ring <laughs> no, and and the one you did get him eventually was a fraction of the cost it's true <laughs> But he it's picked sh- it out and sent me the link. <laughs> <laughs> the Amazon link. <laughs> What's the best gift you've received? Oh, man. Um, I've got a couple. Like, I do have this this uh, custom handmade stained glass. That's an A&M stained glass that my father-in-law made for me. It was really for us, but it's always been for me. It's always hung in my spaces. It's in my office, yeah. Uh, That's pretty special. I've got uh, my presidents, my president figurines that Debbie gave me. I think we've podcasted about those before. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I've I've Mm -hmm. been the recipient of some good gifts. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. It's like when it's, you know, thoughtful, like deeply thoughtful. That's when you know it's good. Yeah. Mm Or really expensive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like a diamond ring. Like a diamond. Um, I I think I've talked about the best gift I've ever received recently because I think we talked about what you would grab if your house was on fire. So Mm. I'll talk about a different best gift I've ever received, which was when I was in third grade, Christmas, my basketball goal. That Thanksgiving, I had played basketball at my aunt and uncle's house for the first time. Like, I don't think I'd ever been around a basketball goal or anything, and I loved it. And so I asked for that for Christmas, and I got it, and that was absolutely my pastime when I was at home. It's the sport I played growing up and was a really big part of my childhood and adolescence. Hmm. Was it from your mom and dad? Mm-hmm, it was. Are you talking no, about? No, I think it was from Santa, but Santa Bud. <laughs> when you were talking about basketball, it actually made me think of a great gift I gave last year, which was also a gift to myself because we gave our kids tickets to the Dude Perfect tour. But we have to take them, and I thoroughly enjoy all things Dude Perfect. Maybe that's the best gift I've ever given. I gave your girls a basketball goal one year because it was such a love for me, and I knew they were interested in learning more. So. It was meaningful to me, at least. And then Jeff yeah. helped me put it together. He did. Now, uh, if y'all don't know, Shelly loves basketball. She's actually doing the podcast right now on full basketball. Get yeah, I've got on headband. Breakaways. She's wearing uh, LeBron's. Uh, Joseph. Uh, my So many years ago, probably like five, six years ago, six or seven, actually, I scored the tickets of a lifetime. I found a deal. And so for one Christmas, I gave Emily a surprise and in air quotes, but a trip to Rome. And I got these tickets. Let me tell you for about a 10th of the price. It was insane. And so literally we were pregnant. She was pregnant at the time. And it was like, I don't know what we're going to be doing in a year, but 
We're I'm going gonna to pick Rome. a date. But today we're going and, to Rome. Yeah. I called my parents. I said, hey, we probably would have like a three-month-old. Would you? Is that wise? And they're like, you got to go. So I think that was the best gift. You know, expensive on paper, but we didn't pay that much. Did you eat a lot of pizza? Oh, all the pizza. All it was the so pizza. good. And all the pasta. That's a gift. Pizza's a gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The best gift I've received uh uh, I received my dog. My dog was a gift for some of my closest <laughs> friends. Uh, but not, yeah, it was like showed up with a puppy with a bow on it and everything. Wow. And it was awesome. Did they know yeah. you wanted They knew I wanted a dog. Okay. They knew I wanted a Labrador. And they knew somebody that had them. And they showed up one day and gave it so to me. So they had some money in it. It wasn't like That's they cool. found a dog on the street. Yeah. <laughs> Slapped yeah. a bow on it. Just celebrated her 10th birthday. I found a dog on the street once. <laughs> <laughs> it was dead. <laughs> Did you do yours best received? Yeah, I'm a basketball goal. Oh, Third that's grade. right. And that's the best Third you've grade. given. Well, yeah, I just decided. Well, as we continue in John chapter 12 this week, we see that Jesus is having a party thrown for him um, by some of his friends. And uh, as they celebrate Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the dead, at least that's our assumption. And in this interaction, we see that Mary um, chooses to break open a jar of perfume and anoint Jesus' feet and really to wash his feet even with her hair. And it's this incredible, incredible moment of just worship. And so my first question is, if we do some eternal math and you consider your own yearly income, uh, that's how much Mary poured out on Jesus's feet. So what do Mary's actions communicate about Jesus and his worth to her? I'm cracking up that you said do internal math. Like I'm visualizing people in our small groups going, all right, carry the five and uh, you'll have six figures. And, uh, that with all the formulas floating above. I, I almost wrote on here and now share. <laughs> yeah. That's a real, that's, that's real investment in accountable relationships. <laughs> share your net worth. Uh, yeah. So Mary's actions, man, they communicate that Jesus is infinitely valuable and what I love about it is it's such a clear picture that we can relate to of her greatest earthly treasure having uh, no place in her heart in comparison to the treasure of Christ. So she has no trouble pouring out her entire 401k mm-hmm. on wiping Jesus' feet. That's crazy. Something that keeps coming like with Mary, she is, we were talking about this right before we started recording, that Mary is consistently countercultural. Like when we think back to the story of her and Martha receiving guests and Jesus being one of them, it's almost like Mary is blinded by her love for Jesus. Like that is all that matters when he is around and she will sit at his feet and just soak him up when what culture says is that she should be running around trying to get everything ready because she's got guests in the house. That's what Martha was doing. And here, you know, she's just so blinded by her love for him that she goes and gets this really, really valuable, expensive perfume and just pours it out on him. So I just keep thinking about her loving Jesus with reckless abandon. Hmm. Well, and the way John wrote it, it's absolutely to be considered how financially costly this was, mm-hmm. right? And and so I think it's absolutely appropriate, like as we understand these verses, to think about how we as Christ followers think about the value of money and how we think about our value on money and how much we love it. And mm-hmm. and I think that's a big part of what's going on here. And is, what it's used for. 
for sure. Way, you know, for sure. Yeah. But to, to go directly at money, I think is totally consistent mm-hmm. with this passage. So in the midst of this act, it says that Judas speaks up and criticizes Mary's decision. And he says, what did you do that for? Like that is a year's wage, a year's worth of income that you just poured out on Jesus's feet. And in his criticism, he says, you could have sold that and given the money to the poor. There are so many other things you could have done with that money, but you chose to do this instead. And it, I think it's easy for us for to criticize Judas and his response because we see, you know, there's more to him. He's a thief. But like you talk about in your message, Randy, there are other disciples who spoke up too about, is this wise? So my question is, how might you react if someone in your circle of friends suddenly gave up something worth a year's wages as an act of worship? And have you ever encountered that type of radical worship? Yeah, and the and the language in this passage and in the other passage where you see this, it indicates like they are angry. They're 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 getting loud. Even mm. there's some volume involved. They're that they're that frustrated over her act and what she's done. And when I think about like seeing something that could even compare to this as radical worship, um, I mean I think the best that 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 I can think of is watching people walk away from what's comfortable and what they know and love for the sake of the mission, for the sake mm-hmm. of making disciples. To me, that's those are some of the clearest pictures. You know, and, and I love too that that, that kind of gets at the idea of lifestyle worship mm-hmm. and not just the act of singing, mm-hmm. but it's like living their life out, mm-hmm. being poured out for the sake of the gospel and sacrificing comfort and family and some of the things we hold most dear in terms of earthly, you know, loves yeah. for for Christ and for the mission. That's where my mind went to, even though, like you said, this passage is intentional to point out the monetary value of this. When I think about somebody giving up a year's wages, I also think about people giving up their time and, mm. um, you know, whether that's literally like giving up their current job and their current home to move somewhere like Seattle to help plant a church or to go to Laos, like the other people that we know are. Um, It just makes me think of how in our culture, time is money sometimes, you know? I think that those two go hand in hand. And we, we know some really, really generous people with both time and money. The word that stands out to me in your question, Joseph, is suddenly... Um, because what I do think is when I think about the most generous people I know, it's usually still planned in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's planned generosity. And I don't know, you know, in the passage, if, if we know how, you know, premeditated or sudden Mary's decision was, mm-hmm. but it seems sudden. Well, and so some of my study and research on that in preparation for the sermon, uh, that was actually something I was thinking about building some things around, like uh-huh. the, the dinner party is planned mm-hmm. and the and the expression of worship through the perfume seems to be unplanned yeah. and recognizing that both planned and unplanned reactions and responses of worship to Jesus are valuable. Yeah, they're both um, honoring. But at the end of the day, commentators are a little bit split on whether or not Mary's uh, act of worship with the perfume was impulsive. Okay. So I'm not sure. I, I think it reads as a bit impulsive. It, that's how it comes across. But hmm. Well, there is no doubt, though, that Jesus was Mary's highest priority in 
her greatest treasure. Uh, doing the same in our own journey with Jesus can be difficult and even controversial at times, but Jesus reminds us that it will always be worth it. So if you keep reading, Jesus says to their responses, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will not always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Uh, and so, you know, given what we know about Judas, what deeper desires in his heart were competing for the affection Jesus deserved? And then a little more personal, have you ever struggled with some of those same competing desires? I mean, I think go back to what we were talking about earlier, that you cannot separate this passage from the monetary value and Jesus, you can't separate Judas's reaction from the monetary value. Like mm-hmm. money is, is intrinsic to all of this conversation. And I think those were the desires of Judas's heart. And you fast forward to the betrayal of Jesus and he does that too for money, you mm-hmm. know? So there's something going on in Judas's heart in regards to money. He really does worship it, love it, and will sacrifice Christ for it. So get at the heart of the question, right? Have we struggled with these competing desires? I mean, I think, I think yes, I, I can relate to that. And especially in regards to, to money, mm-hmm. um, you know, like just the reality that it's so easy to have a temporary mindset mm-hmm. and to get in that space where we're so distracted by worldly things um, because it is our experience and to, to lose sight of that. And even just the most mundane and subtle everyday kinds of ways uh, where it's like, man, I'm choosing this, I'm choosing that, I'm choosing savings, I'm, cho- you know, what I'm saying over right. some act of worship that even comes down to, you know, like not not good and bad decisions, like the right and wrong, sinful kinds of things, but even just the the good or better kinds of decisions where I did mm-hmm. this with my money for comfort mm-hmm. or for my own self satisfaction, and I could have done this, and that would have actually been an act of worship. Yeah, I like the good versus better thing because we know that what was in Judas's heart was selfishness. We know that he does have this love for and worship of money. But if we didn't know that on the surface, when you hear we could have we could have used that money to really serve and provide for the poor and now it's gone and you know, maybe at the time they're thinking and for what? Maybe they didn't so much see it the you know they didn't see it the way Jesus did at the time but it's not a bad thing to serve and provide for the poor but Jesus was saying right now in this moment this was the better thing this was the better use of this really expensive perfume like you know should i go to dude perfect world tour or should I give more money to missions? <laughs> What'd you do? <laughs> no, Both. that was the, a really good gift to your family. That was a good gift. Uh, I do think there's so much there, though. Like you said, it is tied to monetary value. There's so much in there about the money and the monetary worth of the gift that she gave. Um, and Judas, and that's a, a thread that runs throughout his story. But I also think, too, like money buys comfort. And Mm -hmm. comfort is something we're constantly chasing. And I just think, yeah, I can't think of how many times, like, yes, it's money, uh, but how many other times, too? I've just chosen to, to, or struggled with making a decision that was going to put me out of my comfort zone or put me in a place where, you know, I felt like this, this was trusting God or I don't know. I think the other thing, too, is like looking at, 
the the reality that this passage in no way devalues the poor and mm-hmm. recognizing that Jesus places high regard and value on the poor and it's a huge part of his ministry and what he calls the church to minister to mm-hmm. as well, right? Um, and so for Judas to deceive himself, if he was even self-deceived on this, I'm not sure, but to try to deceive others by using the poor mm-hmm. as a disguise, uh, man, I, I think that's especially detestable to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I also have us reading Matthew 13 in just a couple verses. <clears throat> and there's two parables that Jesus talks about. I want to read them really quick. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. So my question is, what does Jesus say the kingdom of heaven is like? And can others around you tell that Jesus is your highest priority and your greatest treasure? That's such a personal and probing question, right? And and I'm glad you asked it um, because I think it's important for us to think about. And so I want to think, like, what do others tell about my highest priorities, my greatest treasures in my life? Um, you know, and, and I think, um, I think my family would probably be something that people would say. Um, you know, I think my job and my work would probably be something people would say. I think this church would be something that people would say. I think people would say Jesus too. But even recognizing that those good things like family and ministry and work and those, you know, things that are good, um, that they're, they're good, but they're not Jesus and Jesus is best and, and really wanting that for it to not be the things that are like loosely associated with, but to be directly like the, the, the people that I intentionally cross paths with in life to point them to Jesus. Am I pointing them to a good guy who loves his family or am I pointing them to, to Jesus? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that question too, because it makes you think like, not that we ever want our worship of Jesus to be for others, you know, opinion or praise or to see what we're doing. We don't, but is my love for Jesus so evident that other people can tell? Like, would anybody ever think she is blinded by her love for Jesus? (laughs) She loves Jesus with reckless abandon and that's a really good thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good, I think it's a really, like you said, Randy, it's a pointed question and it's really a look in the mirror. One of the, the next thoughts is what are some ways others could know or see that Jesus is our priority in our workplace, families, friend circles, etc. Like what are ways that we can help display to the people around us? Hey, here's who I am. Here's my true treasure. Here's my priority in life. And, and I'm, I'm living. Well, I, th- I think that, the, the things that come out of our mouth are the overflow of our hearts. And the reality is everyone that I know is so good about talking about the things that they love. Mm-hmm. You know, like you guys know I love chicken wings. That's because I talk about chicken wings, <laughs> right? You know the things that I love because I talk about the things that I love. And recognizing that for someone who's so deeply, radically in love with Jesus and in love with not just what he's done but who he is, like it's going to naturally flow out of us. And so I think for us, man, we, we want to figure out how to do that in a way that's not odd for God, but is mm-hmm. actually winsome and, and, and lovingly, you know, points people towards Christ and the mm-hmm. cross. Yeah, I think, I think character is something that comes to mind, too. Like when I think about um, our folks who are in their workplaces and, you know, ours, too. But I really think about, like, there's probably opportunities to cut corners here and there or opportunities to, I don't know, 
I don't, because we don't understand the plants. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we want them cutting corners either. <laughs> yeah, they don't cut corners either. But there's probably opportunities to maybe take credit for something when maybe other people, you know, contributed more to, to that project or, you know, just different things like that that really speak to your character. And I think when you, um, when you just have no apologies that you want to live biblically, I think that stands out. In a way. And I I like that too, but I want to add to it, like not just our honesty and our integrity, but if our our character is really going to point to Christ, then it's going to be the love, Mm -hmm. right? Honesty, integrity, as well as, and in addition to, and especially love and the way we love others with compassion and grace and Mm -hmm. mercy and forgiveness and just a genuine, sincere care for them because they're image bearers. And, you know, a lot of what we're talking about right now honestly describes good people. So I think the question is, how do we make sure people know that it's because of Jesus? You know, the way we love people and show grace and compassion and and honesty and integrity, how do we make sure people know that that's because of Jesus? I think that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, have you ever had others misunderstand your life or your choices because of following Jesus? I think that's something we see happen to Mary in this moment. People, she's like, uh, like in message, Randy, you say you call it radical worship. She's making choices um, in response to what she's received, and the people around her don't understand. So, have you ever had others misunderstand your life or your choices because you were following Jesus? I mean, I don't know how radical it is to move from North Texas to South Texas, you know, um, but I do know that, that it's like a we, different country. We felt misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, when we moved to BPF 15 years ago to what we believed was to be obedient and, you know, I mean, proof is in the pudding. I feel like, you know, God has, has given us great ministry and we've been able to contribute, you know, so, but I do feel like we were misunderstood as we were following Jesus and obedience to that. And some of it was, you know, like, Hey, there's there's churches everywhere. Why you need to go that far, kind of thing. It's like no, no. We feel like we're being specifically obedient to this church to respond to this opportunity at this particular place on the map. Um, but yeah, I, I I think on some level, I think I understand what it's like to be misunderstood as you choose to follow Jesus. Yeah, I can think of you know back in college when I first was deciding or realizing that I was going to be going into vocational ministry, um, I definitely had some friends that didn't understand that. My family did. My my dad especially was really excited about that um, because at one point he had thought that he was going to go into ministry and even moved to Fort Worth with the thought that maybe he'd go to seminary there one day, but that's not how life panned out. And then he realized that his ministry is in his non-ministry job. He gets to share Jesus and show Jesus to people, you know, at the hospitals where he's worked. But um, but when it came to some of the friends that I was spending a lot of time with at the time, they didn't get it. They they honestly they thought it, they called it a waste. You know, mm-hmm. I think they just didn't understand. And I probably didn't do a great job of articulating it either. Mm. They assumed you were like going into nuclear science. <laughs> <laughs> no, SNL. She was going to be, oh, a, okay. she was going to be a basketball player. Sketch comedy. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Professional. Oh, I really was going to be an NBA mascot. <laughs> 
You <laughs> what still a waste. could. I know. You know, that's true. Uh, I like to think of myself uh, as the Brazos Point mascot. <laughs> you really are. No, it's midnight. <laughs> the bad hamster test. All right. Uh, well, um, I think one reason I really like this question is because I want our groups to think through, like, it's not just the big extravagant life altering decisions that people don't understand. I think there's so many like that is absolutely the example of before us and Mary, but I think there are plenty of things when you really think about it, that your family just doesn't get why you chose to do that, why you live that way. Yeah. Or your friends or coworkers. Right. Yeah. Like I know we struggle to understand that, but I, I know that our folks that are listening to this absolutely exactly get that because we're, you're so misunderstood for the things that you don't do, mm-hmm. right? Because you represent Jesus and because you love Jesus, and and you know we get misunderstood mm-hmm. all the time. Like I think about parenting, I think we're misunderstood for some of the decisions mm-hmm. we make yeah. as we are trying to you know raise kids who honor Jesus with their lives and. So yeah, mm. I think I think we should expect to be misunderstood, right? Yeah. Because we're aliens in a, a foreign land. Yeah. This world is not our home, but we are residents. We are mm-hmm. resident aliens in a foreign land, and we should be misunderstood and mm-hmm. countercultural and different. Yeah, I also think about the number of students over the years, high school students, college students who have got their entire life ahead of them, and as they look to the future, who because of what they feel like God calls them to do, whether it's Pick a career choice that doesn't make any money or to move somewhere or to stay somewhere just just over and over the amount of times you, you, we talk to students and even their parents not understanding the desires God's placed in their heart. Like like you said, Randy, that's just Jesus tells them up front, tells us up front. That's that's what it's going to be like. So last thought is, what can you start or stop in order to make Jesus your highest priority and greatest treasure? I'll do a start and a stop. All right. So for me, I think uh, I want to go back to something we talked about earlier, and that's stop being distracted Mm -hmm. by the things of the world and having that more eternal mindset in my daily life and just really recognizing that even the most minute decisions have the opportunity to be worshipful or to be self-centered and to be about comfort. So that's my my stop. And then start, uh, I really want to go back to something we already talked about too. And, you know, it's just start recognizing that we naturally talk about the things that we love. And so Mm. uh, start being more intentional about just letting that, I I love Jesus, and, and start just being more intentional about letting that ooze out of me in ways that are natural. Yeah. Actually, my answer is the same exact thing that I think about distractions and how easily I am distracted and how willingly I give in to distractions. Um, and then I also think about just is my just when you have a conversation with me is are my words peppered with love for Jesus and like being intentional to think about that. I also love pepper. <laughs> Lemon pepper chicken wings? Yeah. Right. Actually, I'm a purist. I just want hot wings. Mm. Uh, I, I, mine are probably very similar. I think what you said about trusting Jesus in these moments, like, yeah, there's this big radical moment where Mary gives over something worth so much. And I think about big decisions in my life where I want to trust Jesus. But like you said, it's the everyday part of my life. Like, am I really trusting Jesus in everything and not just these crossroad moments, but in my daily life and all the things, even my daily worries, I'm really starting to just trust him. 
Uh, and then the other one too, like you said, man, what do I talk about most? <laughs> and by the nature of my job, so much of it is about Jesus. But outside of that, you know, what I, we talk about the things we love most, like you said, and, and what captures my heart and, and is an overflow of that. So I think it's good. Also to start taking those mascot classes, <laughs> Shelly. <laughs> I feel like it's natural. I don't know that she needs classes. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there's some skill involved, but I think there may be gifting. Or apply. If BPF yeah. had a mascot, what would it be? Like, not you, like a, a character. Right. A, like, what costume, costume would I be yeah, in? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's a good question. A donut hole? A donut <laughs> hole. <laughs> a donut hole. I like it. I think it would be a raccoon. Because we, we have, have a million. raccoon infestation. Yeah, because Greg keeps bringing his raccoons from home. <laughs> he even he even puts a board in the dumpster for them to safely get out. Yep, so they don't die. A raccoon um, or a donut hole. I'm going donut hole. <laughs> or midnight. I'm going midnight, the dead hamster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thanks so much for listening. We hope you have a great small group this week, and we look forward to catching you next week.